サードコーストベースラジオラディオスサヒルサリスベース第三海岸低音收音機リチラジオバスギターレバシシルバスラディオカテオよ
Versace. Why they say they hate me, but they watch me? Oh, why they watch me? Why they watch me? Like like me, but you not me. Oh, you not me. Oh, you not Stop making fake Versace.
Yo, it's good to be back. It's Kid Luna here. I got a good old friend of mine here, actually in the flesh. This is the first time I've done this in a while. But yeah, let me go ahead and introduce yourself, homie. What's good? My name is Brain. Yeah. What's up with it? I'm finally here. <laughs> After many years, you know, I managed to finally get over my uh, my self-doubt. And uh, yeah, this is uh, three to four years in the making. Yeah, shit. I mean, man, we wanted to get you on like season two. But you know, I completely understand, bro. It can be kind of... Um, it's it's a lot to put together like your own showcase, you know, because you're you're judging your own self as as you, as you go. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I I for sure, you know, three four years ago was not ready to be on this. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really like honed in on my craft. I feel like I'm starting to finally feel comfortable doing that. Finally making progress. I feel like I've learned enough from you know my mentors and like just, you know over the past couple of years that I'm like, all right, I just. If I want to like make that next step forward, I gotta do this, you know, put out more tunes, and uh, yeah, I'm excited, you know, and that that makes you just listen to all originals, all first drops, so you know, hell yeah, a lot of heat in there, you know, for sure. So shit, bro. Before we get into that, man, uh, how you been, dude? I, I've been good, you know. Just uh, right now, really doing two things, you know, just working. You know, my, my boring uh, eight to five job. I feel that. And then, you know, just trying to do this music shit on the side, you know? Yeah. It's a hustle, bro. But, I mean, shit, it's been how many years? How how long have you been working on this music project? So I started uh, DJing fall 15. Um, it was my senior year of college. I, uh, that's when I picked up DJing. Um, we had a campus organization called the NTDJs. I pulled up to like one of their little get-togethers, and it was literally just like a little cipher of DJs, all set up in a circle, all taking turns <laughs> DJing. Some of them turntableists, some of them EDM DJs. And it was at that moment I was like, "All right, I need to, I need to get into this shit," you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember we kind of set something up like that at the apartment. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, we we took we took turns uh, DJing, but uh, I mean that's kind of how I I got into it, like the actual DJing portion. Uh, prior to that, I mean, I just been doing music pretty much my whole life, you know. Started, you know, doing band in fifth grade, played the trombone up until oh, my freshman sure. year of college, and then, you know, I was involved in a music fraternity, and that was cool and all, but I kind of missed having music in my life because I just wasn't playing the trombone like that at that point, you know. And so I just had to pick up an activity my senior year, so I was DJing. That's that's sick, man. So like you you've had like some classical training. Yeah, I mean, I I, I went to uh, a okay high school in terms of like <laughs> the music program. You know, wasn't anything fancy. Um, Do those still exist in school? Yeah, man. I mean, shoot, uh, it, it was it was a it was a, a five a high school with mm-hmm. a small marching band program. So I did that. Every summer, I would do like a band camp. I guess that was uh, hosted by the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. So I would just play the trombone constantly. Um, so I guess that's training in a way. At least I know what notes are. You know. Yeah. Um, so that kind of helped uh, when I actually transitioned into like DJing and producing. Um, shoot, actually, that's how I met Sticky. Was uh, 
Uh, shout out Sticky. Um, he'll pass the Yo, shout out. podcast guest uh, here on the Third Coast. Um, yeah, I met him. He was a senior. I was a freshman. We were both in band. So he's actually the one who put me on like uh, dubstep music and uh, blogging, uh, all the dubstep blogs and stuff like that. So, I mean, I got to you know shout him out because it wasn't for Sticky. It wouldn't. I don't think I'd be where I'm at now if it wasn't for him, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. No, that's really cool, man. Especially having, like, a big help. It's almost like a brother figure. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we might as well be brothers, you know? We're two big Hispanic dudes, you know? <laughs> we 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 have a tendency to get, you know, booked together to do back-to-backs. And that's just that's really cool, you know, to be able to do that with your, your best friend. Yeah, no on doubt. On a consistent yeah, yeah. basis, yeah. That's how it's always supposed to be, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it seems to be it seems to be fade honestly, because you know it was crazy when I first met him. Of course, he was, he was a senior; I was a freshman. Of course, he bullied the fuck out of me. <laughs> it, it, that's just the dynamic, you know. That's yeah. how things that's how things were, you know, back in the day. Um, but I think you know the more we hung out, we started to have a a mutual understanding of one another, and we both you know quickly realized that you know we're, we gravitated towards. You know, kind of like the same style of dubstep. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually set, settled on rhythm. You know, and it's crazy because, like, in a way, in a way, we kind of had a parallel journey because, you know, we both started off making hip hop beats, and then we both transitioned to spinning house. You know, producing and spinning house, or actually, he produces spun house. I just spun house, but then we both transitioned to dubstep. It was kind of weird, you know, how that we both did you know similar things. Um, I first started uh, just making shitty hip hop beats on FL Studio when I was like a senior in high school. Yeah. Um, just to, you know, just to try it out because it just seemed cool. Just be able to whip whip up hip hop beats and all that sort of junk. Um, yeah, I didn't really seriously get into production and stuff until I want to say maybe uh, two or three years, you know, into like the DJing stuff. Because, uh, you know, prior to that, I was just uh, just trying to spin whatever I can, you know, S- just start off doing frat parties in, in college. <laughs> oh, those were fun, bro. Yeah. I miss those times. In Denton? Yeah, in Denton, Texas. Yeah, <laughs> good, good times. Shoot. Uh, sh- sh- shout out Sigma Nu, you know, for taking a, taking a shot on me, you know. We had some good times. Uh, I'll, I'd definitely love to come back at some point, of course. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, just doing uh, frat parties. And then uh, my, my friend Shelter, he's the one who uh, introduced me to Prime Night Cult here in Dallas. Oh, really? That's yeah. how that happened? Yeah. He just like, hey, yo, come with me to Dallas on a Tuesday night. I'll, I'll put you on for a takeover Tuesday. My first set was a back-to-back with Shelter at the end of the night on the rooftop of, uh, it was the red light, lounge, red light room back in the day, but the nines. So yeah, we spun a back-to-back on the rooftop and it was funny because... He carried me heavy on that set. I was essentially, I was essentially just picking the tracks, and uh, he was the one like doing most of the mixing because we were on CDJs and yeah. hadn't used them up to that point. So I mean, that was, you know, that was uh, kind of how I got my start in Dallas. Was, Good times. Uh, because of shelter. Um, yeah, dude. <laughs> so where so where did the moniker come from? Uh, brain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a time. It was one time I was hanging out with David. This is like kind of when I first started DJing. I was like, "All right, I gotta find an alias, you know. I gotta find 
you know, my whole my artist name is gonna be, mm-hmm. and uh, I might not have been in like you know a sober state of mind at that time, and I just remember we were just talking like, bro, what if I just swapped two letters of my name, and just you know, brain, boom, that's kind of how it came about, you know, and my original logo was uh, brain from Pinky and the Brain because I really liked that cartoon and the whole aspect of like this mouse trying to take over the world. And it's only because of like his idiot friend that like, it never, it never goes, <laughs> never goes through, you know? Um, I don't know. It's kind of gravitated towards like, some those smarter characters, you know, like, you know, yeah. Brain from Pinky the Brain, Brain from Arthur. Uh, I felt like I was a relatively smart kid. So I was like, all right, well, we'll go with Brain, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I'm a shout out to uh, Ari Solorio. He's the one who designed my uh, current logo. Um, when I approached him, I had an idea like, okay, I don't want to do like some sort of font and stuff. I want it to be like an actual logo, logo that's like unique, you know, that can't really be replicated. Yeah. And so, I mean, just the way he managed to just, you know, fit all the lettering within the shape of an actual brain was just, Genius, you know. Yeah, no, it's hard, yeah. bro. I've always she goes liked hard, bro. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> no, definitely, dude. You got any? You have stickers, Chris? Bro, that's why I need oh, like I need bro. to like just print bro. out like some like uh, you some oil slicks or some shit. Just like yeah. start slapping them hunter everywhere, you know. You got to hit up Thomas, bro, from Piana Prints, bro. Oh yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, check, check this out. Yeah, yeah. Back, episode bro. is sponsored by uh, yeah. Uh, Piñata Prints, bro. Piñata Prints. <laughs> yeah, no, no, those oh, yeah. those uh. Yeah, your stickers go hard, bro. So yeah, no, I definitely got looking to doing that for sure. Yeah, shout out to a different David, um, um, Shay. You know, he did that fucking sticker, bro. Yeah, yeah. But no, um, you know, and well, he basically drew it. But yeah, shit. I mean, I'm surprised you haven't had any stickers out, dude. Like, it's been such a dope logo. Yeah, like, no, I've only done a sticker run for the old Plate Digger uh, podcast cover. Yeah, and shout I out just, to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the Music podcast that Sticky and I do. We've been on hiatus for a bit, but we're planning on making a comeback at some point this year. Um, but yeah, I've only done a sticker run on those, and I think we did those stickers off of like Sticker Mule, I think. And I mean, yeah, we've we we slapped them in places, but like, yeah, that was like the only run I've ever done of like my stuff is for the podcast oh yeah i think you totally should bro especially if you're trying to like do some more dj gigs this year yeah like with the showcase match you might as well brand all the way because yeah, <laughs> yes. i know i'm gonna want one like yeah be right. like shit i'll keep that in mind yeah most definitely dude let's get into some of the some of these ids in this mix bro okay bet yeah oh, yeah um shoot uh let me pull up the set list um, just to reiterate, all these tunes are all currently unreleased. First Jeez. drops, man, I don't know. Like When I first agreed to do this podcast, I was a little nervous because, you know, I had this bad habit of like starting a whole bunch of whips and never finishing them out. Um, last year, the songs I did put out, I would hit up a homie of mine to do the mix and mastering. Shout out Trentcast. If you need anyone to do your mix and mastering, he's definitely a dude to go to. Um, I don't know. I've always liked his music. And, you know, prior to him, like, prior, you know, to getting to know him, like, to me, he was, like, one of the artists that had, like, 
like clean as like mix and masters the punches, the drums, and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that dude. He's, he's a sound wizard, man. Has that shit down to a science. It's crazy. <laughs> like he'll he'll he tell you everything you need to do to like improve your mix. Like you know, just by like, first listen, you know. Yeah. And no, so yeah, I would. I, I was super dependent on like him to like uh, you know do my mixing and mastering. So you know this year I'm I'm trying to like. Uh, you know, learn and do that process on my own. So, and honestly, you know, like it's a little, ch- a little cheaper too, you know, like save myself some money in the prior, you know, the prior process and like just do it myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was cool to take on the challenge of like trying to like come out with like so much original music, you know, by the time, you know, this thing aired. And so like, I really sat down and like worked at it and, uh, I think this mix is is a reflection of that. Yeah. No, hell yeah, bro. Bunch of heavy hitters, man. Uh, I listened to a few uh, that you had linked on SoundCloud. But um, yeah, hell no, bro. I don't think, like, shit. When's the last time we had a a, a rhythm? I don't think we have. (laughs) I don't know if we have. Maybe we have, bro. We've done so many, had so many guests on. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Sticky for sure. His shit was a... it was a dubstep rhythm mix, you know? Um, yeah, and he's been on twice. <laughs> yeah, no. What was it? His Evolve project was, like, mostly, like, house Yeah, like, music season stuff. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. it's, you know, crazy to see, like, his evolution, you know, from house to, like, dubstep. Because, like, you know, I feel like he, he, you know, he can do both really good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, I know you're saying, like, um, was it back in... 2016 like when you started taking music serious because like you've been producing like I know you've always been like musically inclined I guess through school but uh like I guess when does it like when did the production start for like brain you know yeah I want to say my first like upload was maybe like four or five years ago on my personal channel uh my my, my brain on SoundCloud and yeah it was just a remix to uh a track called Lavender Syndrome. That was like my first official track mm-hmm. on there. And then um, I guess when I got involved in the, this group I'm with called the Misfits, um, you know, they, they encouraged us to try to, you know, release a couple of times a year through that page. So I had like two or three releases on that. Um, and then personal goal of mine last year was to land a labor release because at that point, David had already released a couple of tracks, so I, you know, I kind of wanted to keep pace with him, you know, in a sense. So I mean, luckily I managed to land a release on Rhythm Records, which was cool because they're like an imprint from uh, Mexico, and it's just I would, it's super cool to me because like it's crazy to see how like the dubstep scene manifests itself in other countries. You know, you, you just eat, you know. You only know about you know the stuff here in America and you know in the states, but like should be popping around the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So be able to release the rhythm was like a cool, cool opportunity, you know, to like uh, showcase my music to like uh, a country I'd hope to visit at some point. I've, I've never yeah. been down there, like even you know before doing music, uh, I've never had a chance to visit family down there, so. At some point, it'd be cool to you know play a show down there. Yeah, I mean, and also being with a community like that kind of helps you, like, you know, finish like the music and like get the music out there. Oh, yeah, and, like at the crazy, same time, man. and build a like, community. Uh, 
misfits are full of heavy hitters, you know, whether you know, both on the producing and, and like the DJing end. Like I feel like I've progressed so quickly in both of those regards because I don't know, like being in a group like that, of course, you're gonna constantly compare yourselves to the other members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll be honest, there was a point when I was like paranoid that I was gonna get kicked out of the group because I wasn't doing enough, even though I was doing like graphic design work for them. And, you know, I was, I was putting out like a tune here and there, but like, yeah, I had this deep rooted fear of getting booted from the group. So like, I, you know, it sucked feeling that way, but it was also a motivator too, because it forced me to step my shit up, which is a good thing. Cause I feel like ultimately I wouldn't have progressed to the point I, I'm at now if it wasn't for that pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, dude, a hundred percent. Um, I feel the same way. I think I was doing some labels back then. Uh, I was still uh, doing shit with uh, Hyper Pop Records, but there were so many internet labels, like from 2015, 2016, that was getting started that, like, really helped kind of, like, I don't know, kind of get you involved, you know? Because I think what... Um, who was doing the beat ciphers back then and shit? Oh, Team Supreme? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, that was, like, getting people, you know, doing shit, you know, and, like... Um, there's still people, there's still labels out there like Orbit. They yeah. they have uh, they have shit monthly, got fire coming out monthly, dude. I've only participated, I think, one time. Yeah. But um, they've even done rhythm. So it's like they just have theme uh, events, bro. You should definitely check that oh, out, too. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. pretty cool, man. I have to link you. Um, but, yeah, so, like, basically, like, this trial and tribute of your life, bro, like, just the music journey, like, has it taught you anything? Like, it's not like you were doing, like, it's not like we met doing, like, pickleball or some shit, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's crazy because, uh, I guess if I didn't do any of this music stuff, I don't know, I feel like I'd have a pretty boring life, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't until I picked up, like, the music stuff my senior year of college that was the best year of my life, bro. <laughs> best year of college, at least, you know? Because I was out you know, socializing for once mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. meeting people and entertaining and stuff like that. Yeah, it gives you a life. Yeah, exactly, bro. Because before that, no, I would just uh, fraternity meetings on Monday, schoolwork during the week, and not do shit on the weekend, you know? But this, gave, I don't know, gave me purpose, I guess, you know? Yeah. Is there, like, any advice you could, like, give yourself? Oh, like- <laughs> I mean... Back in 2016? Shoot. Uh, p- touch the doll sooner, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I feel like everyone you know, tells their earlier self to, like, you know, get into the producing sooner. Um, I mean, but it's not. It's crazy, though, because, like, I have homies out here who are just like, yeah, man, I just want to focus on DJing first. And then, you know, eventually I'll hop on the doll and start producing. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Like, mm-hmm. hop on. The, if you, if you, if you want to be about the shit, then do the shit, you know? Hop on the DAW, you know, like even if you don't know what you're doing, bro, like just touching it and like getting used to it, you, you know, experimenting on it, like just little, little things, you know, like, uh, you know, makes it easy for like the next time you, you approach the DAW, like it gets a little easier. Mm-hmm. And then you just start, you know, learning the ins and outs, and you, you know, you start developing like a workflow and, you know, it just makes, you know, the next attempt a little easier when you actually put time into it. It's crazy, man. I have a homeboy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put him on blast, you know, because I'm not a dick like that. 
but he's always telling me like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I have a homie. He's gonna teach me how to produce. Well, shit. Last time I checked, homie moved to a different state. So now what? Like, yeah, damn. Yeah, bro. Like, and I don't know. I don't know. People be big procrastinators. Yeah, and man. You gotta just do the, it, bro. The, the learning curve can scare some people off, you know. But but it's cra- it's crazy because nowadays we have so many resources. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess. I mean, even when you know when I first started doing the DJ shit, like you know, we have YouTube. Now Discord's become such a huge thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you join a Discord server, there's people on there that will help you out. You know, just hop in a, a voice chat and like, hey, I have this whip. Anyone want to hop in my stream and check it out? Most of the time, they're inc- they're inclined to help you out. You know, um, so I mean, we're lucky to have like you know. Technology yeah. nowadays to help with the process and the learning. Shit, too bad. I guess we're preaching to a whole bunch of introverts that <laughs> make music or DJ, yeah. you know? Because I, I feel like, yeah, it is important. Like, um, DJing would definitely give you those social skills. Oh, for sure. You know man. what I mean? And like, producing will definitely give you like more a more technical, like, depth of DJing. You know what I mean? Cause, yeah, like, definitely. Um, they go hand in hand with one another, you know. Especially with software now, how everything like, yeah, Tractor, you can fucking produce as you DJ. It's it's that's a bit extreme, but <laughs> okay. yeah, 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 it's a bit extreme. But nah, I totally, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. But I don't know, but people are big procrastinators. So. <laughs> yeah, man, man, I was I was in that boat for the longest. So you know, you just you gotta just do it. You know, like fucking Shia LaBeouf and that one beer, just do it. <laughs> So what's your favorite dog, bro? And is it a tool? Um, so I produce in Ableton. Um of course. I did mention earlier that when I first just started dabbling in music, I was just fucking around in FL Studio. And it was cool and all, but like I, I guess You found your foot in Ableton. So I found my foot foot in Ableton because I I mean I, a lot of this just it would uh just comes from the fact that I I hung out with Sticky a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would just watch what he does and then kind of uh, replicate, you know. I think that's how I how I learn in a way, you know, just watch someone else do it and then do it myself. Um, yeah, so he was producing on Ableton. So I hopped on Ableton. Serum was his VST of choice. So in a way, Serum became my VST of choice. Um, I don't know. I think it, it, you know, there's some times when I, I wouldn't see him for an extended period of time, you know, and, you know, I would be on Discord hanging out with other producers and then they would put me on like plugins and stuff like that. I should check out mm-hmm. Trent Casdu, that dude, like, seemed like every uh, week I would, you know, come back, you know, hang out with him. He would find uh, a new way to do something and he'd be like, oh, well, you know, I know I showed you how to sidechain this one way last week, but this week I found a different plugin that does it way better. I'm like, and at some point, you know, I had to like uh, learn, you know, like I can't be out here just buying every plugin mm-hmm. that he recommends. So I got to like pick and choose and get used to the ones I already have. So I mean, he, he put me on to like some 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 cool plugins and shit like that. Um, but you know, ultimately, I had to like make the you know put my foot down, make the decision. Like, okay, I already have all of these. I need to like get good at them before I even consider buying. Anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, learning your shit. So is it the doll just a tool? Yeah, because, I mean, shoot. I mean, the, the, the doll is it, it, just, yeah, it's 
it's, a, it's your tool. It's it's your medium of expression, I guess, you know? Because, I mean, hmm. Yeah, you're over here getting philosophical. And shit. Okay, <laughs> I, see what you, I, see, I see what you're doing here. Um, I mean, yeah, because uh, I, I watched my other friends, like, uh, their workflows and how they did shit. And I guess I just took pick, pick and choose what I like from each person. It's kind of combining it into my own workflow and how I did shit, um, especially in regards to my plug-in choices and stuff like that. I don't use a lot of the stock stuff that's on Ableton, even though it's good. I just, you know, I just learned based on what other people were using. And I got lucky and I, you know, there was a couple of times I bought Sticky's old equipment that had a whole bunch of like plugins already installed on it. Mm-hmm. So like. Same. Yeah, I lucked out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was kind of, you know, kind of lucked out and like it was a shortcut, you know, able to you know, use those tools, you know, per se. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you have any go-to VSTs or do you have any uh, hardware? Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of plugins, uh, there's a couple I go to. Um, for my uh, sub bases, I just use Serum because it's very straightforward to me. I know how, you know, I know how to like create it like off rip and then the effects just make it better. Um, I find myself using Isotope Trash 2 a lot just for like the tape saturation uh, feature. There's a, a preset to just brine up uh, my synths or like make my basses thicker. Mm. And then there's a like a, a sub tab within Trash 2 for a, there's a built in delay in it you can use as well. So sometimes I want to color my uh, instrumentation more, I'll throw the delay that's on Trash 2 in there. Um, Pro Q2 for my EQing. There's another uh, EQ uh, plugin called Simplon that's a part of that Fat Filter family. It's a more simple uh, EQing tool. It only gives you two parameters. You can like uh, automate, you know, uh, see what else. And then for as of late, for all my bass synths, I'm using Reason Rack plugin. Oh, okay. Because like, you know, Reason is a, it's like standalone plugin, but then they had built the, integ- uh, the integration for you to be able to use it in other DAWs, so. I don't use the reason itself, like the DAW. I just use the the, the reason rack plugin to be able to use reason within uh, Ableton. Okay, so you got like your own little setup. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Yeah, like I have what was my favorite tab on Ableton. I have a whole bunch of different plug like my go to plugins like favorited. So it just makes it easy. Like all right, I need a I need EQ this boom Pro Q two throw it on there. Oh, I need a you know. Brighten my sense a little bit. I'm gonna throw uh, trash too, you know, with some tape saturation. Um, yeah. yeah, and all that pretty much comes for a trial and tribute, you know. Exactly. It was just yeah, watching my homies produce and and yeah, just trusting my ear and like uh, training it to like listen for the correct things. Mm-hmm. So, how is it um, starting at a blank doll? Like, what do you? How, how do you? How do you take care of that problem? Um, so we usually when I like open up a brand new project, I tend to go for the uh, the sound design first. So I'll open up Reason Rack plugin, open up Maelstrom, and just uh, start messing around with the uh, just the oscillators and stuff like that. Try uh, form a sound that I like. Sometimes I get I mean I got lucky and I had a couple of homies slide over a combinator. So they're that's pretty much like a a preset you can load onto a uh, Reason Rack, and the combinator will typically be 
you know, the synthesizer with the effects uh, chain on it. And then just off of that, I can just start tweaking, you know, different parameters and start immediately getting to the sound design. So, you know, shout out uh, Warlord for sliding some of those over to me. Just because when I told him I picked up Reason, he's like, oh, bro, bet. Let me give you these common ears so you can look at them, study them so you get an idea of how to make the sounds and what you can like automate and stuff like that. So, I mean, that really helped give me like a kickstart in like learning how to use Reason. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's a real one for doing that. Um, and then, I mean, I've copped a couple of uh, combinator patches from other artists too, just to see how they, you know, make their sounds and all that. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice, hell yeah. So DJ versus producer, should one be perfectly skilled before jumping into the scene? Um. I mean, shoot, we all had our, our, our start somewhere, man. Like, luckily, when I first started off, we had uh, the Takeover Tuesday that Prime was throwing. So that's ultimately how I got my DJ chops on, like, uh, CDJ Pioneer equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky that, you know, that they gave me a shot. Shout out to them. I wish, I wish Prime was still doing that. Um, I know that hand promotions, they do it open decks every now and then, but uh, I just feel like it, sh it should be, you know, more often, you know, because there's so many people out here just want to DJ, man. I don't feel I don't feel like there's enough uh, opportunities for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, take our two. It was on Tuesday night, but it, it was cool. You know, give me something to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it, like I said, it was my, it was like perfect. Uh, training ground to learn how to like get good at CEJs. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I only got like only time I get practice in is when I have to perform. Yeah. <laughs> Every big performance is like me getting to practice on CDJs, bro. So, yeah. Like I never really got the chance to sit in fucking guitar center to fuck around. Oh you know? yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, no man. Um too many plugins, not enough plugins. You sound like you got a whole rack. I mean you you Yeah, you know, I, I have too many. I have a lot of plugins, man. Um, especially when I have a homie that be that, like puts me on like a new one, you know, like oh you have to get this. I'm like oh, I guess I have to get this, you know. Like yeah. it's pretty easy to talk me about into buying a new uh, plugin, especially if it's something I don't have in my arsenal currently. Yeah, we fixed it. Had some audio problems. Dog drinking water in the background. Fucking tip tapping with their nails. But we're back, yo. Let's go. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's 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 talk about some upcoming projects, bro. Like I know you sent us like a fucking buku amount of like just unreleased like unreleased content, bro. Like music, this fucking it's out of this world, bro. I don't know. I, I yeah. it's like rhythm's been so heavy for me that I'm just kind of like fuck, bro. Like this shit's too hard for me right now. But yeah, man. Um, with this mix i was trying to just showcase like this, a good sonic variety i guess yeah yeah some wonky shit some heavy shit you know all that sort of stuff uh at some point i'm going to rework this mix into my showcase for the year which would be cool could be my first showcase um hopefully these you know pro promoters and these other artists you know see that I'm, I'm I really care about the scene. I care about you know this, this, genre, this specific subgenre of sound, and I want to help advance it. You know, mm -hmm. um, we've been on a hiatus on my podcast for a while, 
And during the hiatus, I figured like, you know what, I might as well sit down and try to own in on this craft and, you know, participate and like contribute to like this zeitgeist, you know? So during that time, I did a, a, a rhythm battle tournament. Oh, you, know, really? you know, granted that, you know, I mean, I managed to win one round. I lost where, where the ball round. At? It was on SoundCloud. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It was, I thought uh, they did some shit at Green Elephant. Oh, no, I wish, bro. Shoot. <laughs> I, I dream of the day where uh, instead of rap battles, it'd be like DJ battles, you know, and like a chop off where like each DJ gets like 15 minutes and like yeah, to like I'm showcase pretty, their I'm shit. You can set that up. Oh, I mean, that'd be cool. I, yeah. I would like to be a part of something like that. Um, but no, nah, this was on SoundCloud. Um, there was an old uh, rhythm crew called the Akatsuki um, that like put out music back in the day. They still do. They're still around. But uh, they decided to host uh, like a dub versus dub tournament. So the uh, the premise is like all these all these artists would send in tracks, mm-hmm. and uh, they would pretty much get you know put you know side by side verses on you know on SoundCloud. You have like a week, and people would go in and comment who their favorite you know artist was for each battle. Until you ultimately got like a champion, and so I was like, okay, if I, you know, I, I always want to be a part of one of those because early on, like when I really, you know, when I first started listening to like 2016, 2017, 2018, there was like some cool battles here and there of like artists going at it to see who had the better tune, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something like that. So I uh, I put myself out there. I got a dub. I took an L. It's all good, but you know, I got the experience behind it. It was cool. Yeah. Um, and then I just, like I said, I wanted to own it on on the sound. So, like, in uh, and, and our and uh, in on the Play Theory podcast, we highlight uh, artists like you know y'all do, and we listen to their music and stuff like that. And I felt like I needed to know more on the technical side of what actually goes into the production before like, I can give like you know, feedback and critique and stuff. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, during the hiatus, I, I really owned in on the production. So I feel like this mix is a good uh, example of uh, the work I've been putting in. Yeah. No, hell yeah, bro. Uh, I'm just also glad to finally have you on the show, man. I felt like it's yeah, bro, I am overdue. so <laughs> sorry. Yeah, man. Like, it just, it seemed like things didn't click together until like now, you know? Yeah. No, no, shit. I mean, we we all are folding out on time, you know, whether it seemed like it or not. Yeah. But yeah, no, bro. I mean, is there some people you want to like feature in the show? Like, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of people y'all for sure need to have on here. Um, I'm, I'm gonna say my homie Finna. He's been doing like really good. He's been putting out like heat. He's been consistently getting you know books for like direct support for artists and stuff like that. And yeah, man, it's it's crazy, huh? You know, to see him grow and like blossom into the artist he is now, it's awesome. Um, so Finna, it's F I N N U H. You gotta you gotta put my homie Slanga on. He's uh he's from Fort Worth. He he produces like heavy you know heavy dubstep too. He's just dope. Um. You met this dude before, Destroya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta have him for sure. He he does uh, more like tear out uh, dubstep. Yeah, I played a show with him um, last year. I think it was. Yeah, the Hello Kitty yeah. rave. Yeah, that was a fucking wild show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you gotta have him. 
I think I have my uh, physics. He's uh, another uh, tarot producer from the area. Um, let's see. I'm trying to. I, I see if I, you know if you don't mention if you don't like name drop like somebody, they're gonna come back like, "Yo, bro, you didn't mention me, man. What, what the fuck is up with that?" You know. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to make sure I get everybody. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say uh, Wigs. He's based out of Austin. He's, he's part of this uh, collective called the Hooligans, which I'm also in. Um, he's super talented. It's crazy to see his uh, progression this past year. Mm-hmm. He actually got booked uh, direct support to play uh, Shivers last week, so that was cool. You know, I'm really happy for him on that. And then uh, I want to say my homie Hyphen. Um, he's uh, from Denton, or he, yeah, he's based out like the Denton area. Uh, another awesome rhythm producer. And um, he already had Sticky, so uh, but. Uh, shout out Sticky. He's like an older brother to me. I, I love that fool. You know, I feel like I wouldn't be where I'm at currently if it wasn't for him, you know, introducing me, uh, putting me on all these like awesome artists and stuff. No, most definitely, bro. Where can people find you, man? So all my social medias, that being Twitter, Instagram, uh, it's going to be at Brain Dallas, B-R-A-Y-N, Dallas, all one word. And my SoundCloud is Brain Dallas TX because uh, I had another account under Brain Dallas I got locked out of. Damn. And I couldn't get the URL from SoundCloud because they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, Brain Dallas TX for my SoundCloud. Everything else at Brain Dallas. For sure, man. And also check out the Play Digger podcast. It's been a while since we posted content, but you know, we have a lot of previous episodes guest mixes, interviews, and we have a few compilations uh, that we post on the Play Digger page. And it's crazy, bro. Uh, LS Dream played this track from, like, one of our compilations. And because of that one track, the, our page, our SoundCloud page still getting traction. Hell yeah. Because, like, oh, shoot, that, that's that song that uh, LS Dream played is uh, Finna's uh, Samara track. Yeah. So because of that one track, people come to the page now. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's funny, bro. Oh yeah. I love you, Fanta. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's awesome, bro. Shit. So the uh, last words are yours, bro. If you can say whatever you want, you can say nothing at all. You yeah. Can take a long sip of water. Like <laughs> make it very uncomfortable for the so some ASMR for the for the audience, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, bro. Oh no! <laughs> just start. Yeah, it's the snowman. You already know. Yeah, I don't know, bro. I... No, it's fine. Oh yeah, bro. No, I can't do it. <clears throat> oh yeah, brother. Uh, snap it to the snow chip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Dude, we were talking about wrestling earlier before we even hopped on. Macho Randy Savage. Y'all have a good one, shit. We out of here. Peace. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Okay, 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 okay. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Okay, 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 okay. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Okay, 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 okay. Let's finish this. Let's finish this. Let's finish this.
Do it like Kalani I don't want Gucci or Armani ST from ST I can't squash that beef like fruit and barley Still got a one black star like Kwame Free talk on boy and something My mum got matching whips with young'uns Should've made Chanae hold on something But it never would've worked Could the girl too stubborn Young G's talking my name on the ends Gotta tell a man please don't risk it On the right day man I just frisk him On the wrong day I'm getting man airlifted I'm in the with the hills with the white rose Racing the one brown in from Compton The Lambo got just in front man Pull up to the pumper and do it like conscience no problem Went for the cheapest bag That's nonsense I took a hundred bags From Barclays Bank No cap You can go and ask Ellie That one mind Bouncing Betty Bag 4k Like a HD telly Best believe That I'm back like Nelly Chest petite With a black like Chelly You see a man Sent indirects If you want a war man Then you better be vocal My right hand Got a semi That's local And it's brown And I can't post on socials My girl gotta be Far from social I don't wanna see her At Carney 488 in the party LBC How I nicked the Ferrari Girl say We're the littiest Batch in South London And bros are flat Airport, we're going for bands I hopped out the plane, I ain't going for dance What well, you know about telling the 1010 to keep the clothes on and moving good I ain't not beating on misogyny, it's mahogany I got bougie wood, look Airbnb with the guys, so white man's face that I used to book Chill with a stupid look, so it's gonna be a kettle that I used to cook I see a thing that I touch, tell me about talking stage Gotta tell her don't force it Beef man, pepper and salt, hit me and RJ Gotta pull up no talking trap You ain't got a rep to your name, my bro Brick laying, we don't know about shortage Oh, I never insured it M25 got a whip that call me Man tried beef, my doggy Wars on King Hard come for a party My little nigga can't lose that cash I don't YG's do it like Kalani I don't want Gucci or Armani ST from ST I can't Squash that beef like fruit and barley Still got a one black star like
flip side, flip side, flip side. Flip side, flip side, flip side.
study my technique, uh, all the pretty boys to the floor, I just to the left, money just to the right, pretty boys meet in the middle, dance all night, take it all off, or just a little, if you like, early in the it should cost a billion to look at this. It should cost a billion to look at this. It should cost a billion to look at this. It should cost a billion to look at this. It should cost a billion to look at this. It should cost a billion to look at this. It should cost a billion to look at this. That's my that's my technique.
Yo, that mix was straight up club, dancey, bounce, sex sauce. Absolutely loved it. Yo, <laughs> we got Aaron on the line, aka Gaja. Say what's up to the people, Gaja. What's up, everyone? And thank you, Metaphysics, for uh, having me on this. Yeah, no problem, man. Seriously, thank you for your time, space, and energy. So we'll just go ahead and hop right into it. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who's Gaja? Who's Aaron? Where are you from? Yeah, so I currently reside in Salt Lake City. I've been out in Utah for most of my life, but originally I'm from uh, Ventura, California. And yeah, I'm Gaja. Uh, a lot of you probably know me from my duo project that I had for the last, oh, what was it, probably like eight years, um, X and G. And so I made music in that project, and I had Gaja prior to that, but now I'm kind of revisiting my solo project and just kind of exploring and having fun with uh, music again. Nice. Okay, so yeah, tell me a little bit more about your uh, like your musical upbringings. What, what kind of got you started into the whole, I want to make, you know, air sounds wiggly for the people? What, what kind of <laughs> got you into that? <laughs> Yeah, so I was in uh, metal bands in high school, and I was doing vocals and kind of playing around with programming and Fruity Loops at the time. And after a while, just like band practices are kind of hard because you need everyone there to go and make the band happen. So after a while, I was just like, well, what if I just start like making music like in a program like this? And so... I was just at the time I was discovering a lot of music on MySpace and just seeing all these artists just like doing it by themselves. They're doing everything. And I was like, oh, well, why don't I try to do this? And um, there was this artist that, uh, funny enough, I was obsessed with at the time. I don't really make music in this realm anymore, but um, I was obsessed with Owl City back then, like pre uh, Fireflies, all that stuff, like back when he was like a no one. And, um, yeah, so I was just like, oh, man, I really like the sounds he, he was doing. And he was making, like, really cool ambient music on the side as well. And, like, he has, he has, like, a jungle project. He was, like, all over the place. Like, anyway, so I was just like, man, I really want to make stuff, like, inspired by him. And so, yeah, that kind of, like, was, like, the start to my whole making wiggly sounds on the computer and all that. <laughs> nice. So, like, when you were kind of, like, you know, listening to that, was there a particular track or like something that gave you that, I don't know, uh, like spark as to say, like that kind of just, you know, started that flame in you? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think I was just like so amazed by like how smooth all the sounds were. And at the time, um, he put up this like, so, you know, a lot of artists now, they'll put up, like, a Spotify playlist of, like, inspirations. And back in the day, like, artists would do that on MySpace, too. So I remember he put up this playlist of all of his inspirations, and there was, like, Aphex Twin in there, and uh, a lot of, like, shoegaze and stuff. But there was one artist that really stuck out stuck out to me. I was on the playlist, and that was uh, Telephone Tel Aviv. And I was just amazed by the complexities of, like, all the glitchy sounds that they were adding. And it was just like still really kind of ambient. And I was like, whoa, like this is a really cool marriage of sounds. And so I wanted to kind of like emulate Owl City sounds and Telephone Tel Aviv sounds and like find this like um, 
recipe between the two. So, uh, like hearing both of those, they were definitely both very pivotal in my younger years. And so, I was just like m- making lots of crazy drums in FL Studio, but also with like oh really chill ambient pads. And funny, funny enough, it was like horrible. It was terrible. But yeah, it was it was really inspiring to me at the time. Just being able to just be like, oh my god, I can just like add all these sounds, and it sounds so crazy. But it really it sounded like a hot mess. You gotta love those earlier projects when you know you don't really have kind of like the I guess the theory or whatever the training behind it. So it's all kind of just like raw like passion like just putting things together i think those are you know the the earlier stages are a little bit fun because that's you're not afraid to experiment and break shit and then once you kind of start like learning a bunch of things i think that's when you start holding yourself back a little but that's that's interesting to hear that I, i always find it very funny that a lot of of people in the electronic music scene come from like a hard metal or rock background like what, what? What were your favorite bands? You know. Yeah, um, I was really into. Oh my god, it was all like the really hard metalcore, deathcore, grindcore stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, did you listen to that at all? Yeah, I was more so on the like super like like grunge side. Or I would go to like heavy oh, metal, sick. like Lamb of God or Tool, Rage Against the Machine, System of a Down, those kind of bands for sure. Devil Driver, if I wanted to get even heavier, Accountable Corpse, if I wanted to go more darker. But yeah, there's definitely the the heavy metal background for sure. Were you ever into uh, Meshuggah? Meshuggah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was really towards the end of my metal phase i was really into a lot of like the more progressive stuff so i really liked uh periphery and uh, animals as leaders tossing a bossy shout out tossing a bossy and uh uh i think that's how you say his name i might be butchering that but um yeah i was really into uh what else on the more heavier heavier side it was like thy artist murder and annotations of an autopsy just like who else like there was so many in that realm that were just like i was like i remember like looking up on youtube like heaviest breakdowns and just like finding bands <laughs> to like heaviest breakdowns and so i was just like on a tear just trying to find the heaviest bands i could find but then also i was like oh i love really pretty sounds because I, I like found owl city and telephone tel aviv and i also found like dead mouse and trance at the same time too like uh you remember uh I don't know if you ever listened to Trance, but like Tiesta was doing those in Search of Sunrise series. Like, oh yeah, oh when I when I first kind of got transitioned over into the electronic music scene, it was Tiesto that I discovered. I was like, what the hell is this? I think that was yeah. the first like big concert, electronic music concert too, was Tiesto. So oh, yeah, sick. totally know that. <laughs> yeah, so just like wow, it's so just like I feel like I'm like floating through the sky and then (laughs) it was like oh my god i just want to be like punched into the ground from like death core and death metal so yeah i feel like that's all i've always had this like duality within me of like oh i love the most pretty sounds and then like give me the heaviest thing you got i'll listen to it but yeah so what was the question oh yeah the the bands i was listening to yeah it was a lot of like really heavy stuff and even the band that i was in was kind of like trying to emulate a lot of that heavier stuff. Nice. So what, what 
what point did like the moniker Gaja come into play? When was that like, all right, you know, I'm going to use this to project what I want to, you know, musically onto the world? Yeah, so um, I moved and my neighbor where I lived at, they gave me a mix CD and the mix CD had on like Shigeto and Flying Lotus and Lapalux, um, just like all this like LA Beats scene kind of stuff. And I was just like, whoa, this is a whole other world. And so I like really fell down that rabbit hole and I was like, dang, I kind of am like over all this like cutesy, cheesy kind of stuff that um, I was doing with the Owl City because during the Owl City era, I had a completely different name. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to scrap everything I'm doing and start fresh. And so uh, I came across the name Gaja and started kind of putting out, like, again, really bad, like, LA Beats wannabe stuff at the time. And I uh, came across this label here in Salt Lake and... There was another producer that I had met who was kind of doing similar stuff. It was like Future Garage back when that was like a big thing and also kind of like ambient stuff. And we kind of clicked and yeah, anyways. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Does it, does it like, does the name Gaja mean anything in like a different language or something like that? Or? Um, I remember... I used to work at a call center job and there was a customer and his name was like, I think it was like Axoy Gassia or something like that. Like it didn't have the Z. So it, it was like G-A-S-I-A. And I remember looking that word up because I was like, oh, that's a cool word. <laughs> I don't know. And then I looked it up and from what I remember, um, it was like an Italian name and for me, um, I, I have this other family that I've just recently discovered. It was like all my dad's family and my, my dad, my real dad, I didn't grow up with him for context, but um, he passed like right before lockdown. But I, I had never really like known too much about him and known too much about that side of my family at the time. So I was just like, okay, like, I wanted to kind of like pay tribute to that side of my family because they were, they're all like very heavily Italian. Um, like now I've like learned that they're all from like Sicily and stuff like that, at least like the, uh, a couple generations back. And so I, I was just like, it was like a mystery to me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is Italian. And I like something inside me was telling me to go with this name. And I was like, okay, well, how can I make it my own? And I added a Z at the time. Now I'm like, I don't know if I should keep rolling with it because like <laughs> I'm in such a different headspace. But I'm like, no, I mean, it still is kind of me. And it's kind of been this name that um, has been a part of me throughout all these years in my life. And my music has changed a lot. And me as a person, I've changed a lot too. So I'm like... I feel like, you know, I could go and change it, but it's kind of like a representation of like the change and the growth that I've gone through. Even if I don't necessarily resonate with the name anymore, it's more so like the representation behind the name. So that's why I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep rolling with it because it still has like a bit of meaning. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a super, I always kind of like talk 
to artists about, you know, how they feel about, because, you know, I've known artists who've gone through the rebranding and the rebranding was much, much more successful, you know, in what they wanted to do with their careers and their visions. And then I've met artists on the other end of the spectrum where, you know, they will stick to the same moniker and have completely different project sounds all over the place underneath that same moniker. So it's always interesting to kind of hear like, you know, the psychology behind that. Um, I, I've always kind of felt like, you know, once you kind of discover kind of how you said, like, this is, you know, the name that resonates with me and, and kind of encompasses all of the changes and the growth and the evolution that you've been through, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's names are names are very interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, exactly like like you just said, like, I remember, like, coming up with a name and even names for other projects uh, past that, like, it's it's always like a hard process i feel like but then like when you find it it like clicks yeah definitely um so i'd like to talk to you about like your mix if you want to hop into that a little bit i rarely get track lists from artists so it's always interesting really? just, yeah i don't know why it's so i love when i do get a track list but i'd like to know like what made you select those tracks for this mix um, I mean, a lot of that stuff I've made in the last couple of years. So I, I, uh, I suffered with um, imposter syndrome for a long time. Uh, after I ended my duo project, and I was just like, I, I need to break past this. Um, and so I just spent a lot of time just like trying to make all sorts of stuff and um, you know, like I'm, I'm sure you've been there where like you go back through everything you've made and you're like, oh, wait, this is kind of cool. Oh, wait, this is sick. Yeah. Oh, wait, I forgot about this. And so a, a lot of this stuff is definitely fresh to me. Like it's it's within the last year, I want to say, or two years maybe. Um, but I think it's a good representation of where I'm going with my sound and a lot of the music that like is in that mix is exciting to me and is um yeah it, i feel like it like captures the energy that i really wanted to encompass in my music and i mean obviously you know the the life of an of an artist is like a never ending quest because i'm sure i'll change my sound in you know 6 months or two years or who knows but like right now like where i'm at i think it's a good uh embodiment of like what i'm enjoying and just like what i i enjoy making yeah it was it was very fun i found myself just grooving the entire time um it's funny that you kind of mentioned that um you know the imposter syndrome especially with you kind of you know forming or coming back to your, you know, solo project after being a part of X and G for so long. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Like, why do you think that happens? Because, I mean, clearly you're a talented, you know, producer and you've you know had success with everything you've done. Why do you think that happens? Imposter syndrome? I mean, um, I think with that project, uh, we both were making music together and we were just making music in our bedrooms. Um, yeah. And then going from, it, it wasn't kind of like 
a slow rise to success because like the very first big release we ever did, I think we put out like a remix or two and then we put out a release on Ausla. And going that quick from like kind of, uh, you know, not like understanding anything to just being like thrown into like this uh, kind of overnight success in a sense. Uh, it, like it, I, I felt like we kind of relied on each other in certain ways to where like, I, I, I want to say, I feel like we both had some sort of imposter syndrome because we were like, how did this happen? Like, is this because of you? Is this because of me? Is it yeah. because of us together? And so I, I think now why we're kind of um, doing our own solo projects is because we're both kind of trying to get over that imposter syndrome uh, for ourselves individually. I mean, there's, there's multiple other reasons too, but I, I feel like that's like one reason that we both are just like, okay, like, can we do this on our own as well too? And so I think it's just like our own kind of like internal battles that we each individually have that we're like, I want to do this for me. So that way I, I don't doubt myself in future group projects or if we were to go and return to the duo or whatever it might be, because I feel like it kind of hindered us in certain ways. Um, and so now I feel a lot more confident in who I am uh, as a producer and a lot more, I guess, thoughtful in the choices that I make when I am producing. Whereas before I was just like, I have no idea if this is good or not. I'm just throwing stuff at a wall, which like you mentioned earlier, in those earlier years as producer, uh, you're a lot more um, creative, I feel like, because not all of these rules, you don't know all these rules. You're just like, yeah, oh, I'm, I, I have no idea what's right and what's wrong. I'm just trying stuff. And that's what leads to a lot of like really cool creative stuff. And then once you kind of get uh, exposed to the music industry and quote unquote, how things work, then you're like, oh, okay, now I understand how this works and this works and this works. And then the hard part is once you understand how things work, going back and still trying to apply that same uh, kind of thought process you had when you first started while also knowing how things work. And so I think if you can find like a good balance of the really fun and creative um like thought process, but also kind of keeping in mind like what works in there, but not so much relying on that when you're making music, then I think you can find like a good formula for music that will be unique, but will also translate well to like the masses and all that. Yeah, definitely trying to find that balance is key because unfortunately, like once you get involved deeper and deeper into the behind the scenes part of the music industry as to say like it kind of like drains that passion you know like you're like well fuck i gotta do all this and this to meet this this and that and your passion kind of becomes like oh it's it kind of almost feels like a corporate job almost <laughs> so one thousand percent that was another reason why i had to stop i was like this feels too much like a job like i need time to um have fun doing this again because every day it was like, I have to meet this deadline. I have to meet this deadline. And I'm like, I don't have any time to like sit down and like have fun with no 
with nothing in the back of my head being like, oh, you got to get this done because you got to get this done so that way this can happen, this can happen. And so it's like this internalized pr- pressure, yeah. I-, I would say. I'd like to ask, though, like, you know, with all of the knowledge and, you know, experience you've gained over the years, if you could go back uh, 10 years and give yourself some advice or like a producer, a younger producer who's kind of listening to this, you know, and needing a little piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, man. I mean, my advice, I, I'll, I'll say a couple of different things. The first one is... You know, if if you're inspired by something, just have people around you to keep you in check when it comes to like your music to make sure that you're not like, um, I guess, leaning into quote unquote selling out. Um, Because a lot of people make really inspiring music when they start and then they get exposed to the music industry and the music industry kind of molds them into something that yes can maybe be a bit more digestible and have better branding yada 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 but i think a lot of the magic gets lost when that happens and so i think you know having people around you just to be like hey uh you know like i miss this and and some people or some artists like you know they might go and change and be like oh yeah like i want to do this now i want to try this now i think just the core um curiosity i guess like always be curious maybe that's like the main advice to give like always be curious even when you're like making it big too because like once you're not curious and it's like oh man there's no fun anymore in the music because you're not curious anymore you're just like comfortable um yeah so, so, so that's another thing to never never be comfortable always try and put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, Even though like, yes, like once we do get comfortable, we're like, yeah, this is cozy. But I think what makes a lot of really cool music and just a lot of cool art in general is when you're in those uncomfortable situations and you're just like, I'm just going to try something and see what happens. And that's what's pushing art forward and music forward and all that stuff is just like trying these new things that no one's ever tried before. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think when you're, when you're getting outside of your comfort zone, it's definitely when the, the realm starts shifting a little bit and, you know, like what is the producer's name? That's kind of getting a lot of uh, publicity on both sides. Uh, Hamdi. There we go. So Hamdi is oh, one of those yeah. producers. that's like, he's causing a storm. Producers are arguing about him. Because, you know, some people are saying, oh, all of this shit just sounds the same. But at the same time, on the other side, it's like, well, he kind of found a formula that belongs to him only, you know, um, because yeah. he was uh, he was he dared to go outside those bounds and kind of figure that shit out. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I mean, like, I've definitely see both sides, but I was thinking about this the other day and I'm like, you know, even though he might be kind of pushing this same sound over and over. I think he's kind of taking advantage of the moments right now. Yeah. Um, you know, ho- hopefully he's not going to do this for like the rest of time. Like, <laughs> like some, like some artists do do that. And so yeah. like, I don't, I don't think he will because, um, you know, 
the music that he has and the music that he does have coming, it definitely still is very diverse and very all over the place. But I think, yeah, he's just really capitalizing on the hype and he's doing a good job of it. But at the same time, um, I I can definitely see where people are just like, oh, yeah, it's like the same thing over and over. (laughs) But but then I, I feel like it's mainly the music that's kind of blowing up. Um, those two are very similar, uh, Counting and Skanka, if we're going to yeah. you know, say names. But he's put out so much music in between and even after those two songs that is very different, too. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think he's necessarily doing the same sound. I think that's just kind of what is rising to the top. Um, but what I, what I was going to say is I do think it's really interesting... Um, just seeing the impact that he's had on the American bass scene. Because, yeah, there, there were people, you know, like Charles I and Of The Trees, and there's a lot of artists who are kind of pushing this more deeper sound. But I feel like that deeper sound really blew up when Hamdi kind of, like, skyrocketed. Because, like, now I feel like this more over-the-top dubstep sound is kind of on its way out. Yeah, and this more deeper sound is kind of. I think it's going to take over in the next anywhere from two to five years. I'm going to say it'll, it'll probably be the the leading sound. It's interesting to kind of see like it, you you're also witnessing it as well, like the the evolution of like the dubstep scene coming from like you know even early 2010s bro step up to now where it's like uh, rhythm. And I'm starting to see that the the crowd is starting to get tired of the rhythm, like you say, and, you know, producers like Handy kind of coming in and switching all that up a little bit for the bass scene, which is, you know, I think is a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, like that sound has obviously been around for decades at this point, but I, I feel like Handy was kind of like, kind of like how Skrillex was back in 2010s where like, Hamdi was the, the one. Back. He brought the hype back, but I feel like he kind of like pushed it over the edge to where everyone is finally like, okay, I get it now. I understand. And right. so and so even going to Skrillex, like, you know, Skrillex is obviously a pioneer. And so seeing him kind of reject that more bro steppy sound and going and doing this more deeper more kind of exp- uh just he's just exploring like all sorts of genres which i think is really yeah. cool to see because he's kind of like putting on all these other genres that are out there and showing people like hey there's not just dubstep and house there's so many other genres out there that are making their own waves and so now i think he's just at a point where he's just so big that he's like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Get away with it. It's fine. He can literally fucking put out a track with any genre and people are like, what? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, Whoa, what is this? And so then it leads all these people to like going and learning about the genre and learning what it is. So I think it's really cool because he's kind of like educating people with all these new genres like Bali Funk and um, there's another one. Uh, I, I guess like the more deeper dubstep, but yeah, and like he's doing like the UKG stuff, and he's just kind of all over the map, and I think that's really cool. And so him putting on Hamdi as well, and uh, playing 
Skanka and counting and that collab that they have, like I think that also was just another factor that like really tipped it over the edge to yeah, where yeah sure. that, that what's that? No, I was saying that definitely him doing that was you know a tip the scales for sure. Yeah, so so I think it's really cool, but also yes, I I mean I'm sure that we're gonna get tired of that sound in the next couple of years, but. I think we've at least finally seen that shift in sound that we've been all kind of hoping for for yeah I feel like it's been like a long time but there's at least a shift in music and I'm sure that it shifts will keep happening uh even this year I I have a feeling a lot is going to change this year too. Yeah, like we were talking about earlier. I I think one like covid was like the great equalizer for sure just kind of showed us all that we ain't shit. And, but it also kind of forced us all to kind of, you know, take a step back and see, but I think people are finally like 2020 to like 20 late 2022, 2023, people are getting kind of warmed up, but I think everyone's ready to finally break out of the shit that happened during COVID um, this year. So I'm excited to see what the future brings us as far as like music and festivals and things like that. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of change happening and a lot of, new stuff just happening in general in the festival world with shows like now, you know, like 360 shows are very popular now. Yeah. So just so much change has happened within the last year to where, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like we just keep seeing change happen this year. For real. So I'd like to hop into like your mind as a producer um, because we have a lot of obviously a producer fan base and I just like to hear things like this. So. Um, I have to ask, uh, what's your favorite doll? What do you use to make your music? Um, right now, I'm in Ableton, and yeah, I definitely love it. It's become like a second skin to me at this point. <laughs> I use it. <laughs> nice. I, I use it literally every day. Nice. I know that you you said you started with like Fruity Loops and things like that. Do you feel like Ableton or like dolls themselves are kind of just a tool, and you can do? everything in each doll or do you think some dolls have certain like like better applications with their you know instruments versus one versus the other what do you think um yeah i think that there are certain parts of a doll that they might excel more at than other parts in a doll i think every doll can essentially do everything um but depending on like what you're wanting to do and what you're wanting from a doll i think um, I think it's good to try them all because that was honestly what I did. I went and started with FL Studios and then um, I got a Mac for school and so I couldn't use FL Studios. So I was like, okay, well, let me just go and try a bunch of stuff out and see what clicks. Um, so, so I think, uh, I think, yeah, like Doll Wars are kind of dumb because like <laughs> I've seen people make amazing music and anything and everything like there's this one artist who got grammy nominated and he made music on an ipad like it really does not matter (laughs) but yeah yeah it's funny how you know i always like to tell producers you know the time that you're spending arguing on which doll is better is time that you could be learning your doll 
you know? So I yeah. always like to get, you know, different opinions about that. Some people, you know, some people swear FL Studio makes your drums hit harder, but who knows? Maybe that's because there's a limiter on the, you know, but <laughs> yeah, um, I, I have to ask though, um, like, do you have like a go-to like VST or piece of hardware that you kind of use in all of your tracks for the Gaja sound? Um, is there one? I mean, I, I got a, a mono machine over lockdown. Um, for those who don't know what that is, uh, that's the machine that Sophie used for literally everything that she made. Oh, cool. And so that's been really fun kind of exploring, and I've been implementing that more into a lot of my songs. Um, VST-wise, uh, I've been really enjoying all the Max for Live stuff. Like, the Max for Live community has been thriving a lot lately. Uh, and there's just so many like very unique and f- forward-thinking devices that are coming out that's really making music a, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Twitter or X, whatever the hell you want to call it, like my algorithm finally has been showing me things that I've been wanting to see, and that's one of them. Just all these crazy ass like Max for Live devices that are coming out of the blue from all these like community members. And I'm just like, what it's kind of almost like a, a contact, um, you know, like the contact thread you used to get back then. But these devices are insane. <laughs> like, yeah. And then like just how people are just like building them and then just like putting them out. And it's like, wow, that, that seems to be a whole other side to music. Cause I know a lot of uh, producers who are, building devices in Max for Live, and then they're making all these devices work with each other to make an entire song. And it's it's mind-blowing, like, what they're doing. Like, I can't fully wrap my head around it. I need to dive deeper into Max for Live. But, yeah, it's a lot of of coding and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah." I'm kind of comfortable in the moment, just, like, still learning to make music. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it always, uh, I feel like, let me ask you this. Do you feel like there's like too much stuff out there or like not enough? Or like, what do you think? Because I feel like it's very easy to kind of get overloaded, you know? Yeah, I mean, for a long time, all of XNG, that was all just samples. And I didn't even have like nice headphones or speakers. I just used iPod speakers for producing for mixing and everything like the first two albums i mixed on ipod speakers or or, uh ipod uh, earbuds and um so so i think as long as you just have a laptop and you know maybe grab a couple of vsts that might seem interesting to you because like yes you can learn your daw and you can do so much with your daw but there are some tools out there that i think are are definitely very handy uh, yeah. just to kind of like spark ideas not necessarily to like make ideas but just to spark ideas um, but you can also do so much within your DAW as well um, but yeah I, I feel like there's like too much out there and because there's just stuff being released every day now like I, I just feel overwhelmed with all of it but at the same time there's so much cool stuff coming out that it's like wow we're in like the biggest I guess, like, boom of music progression. It's a renaissance, for sure, definitely. Y- yeah, huge renaissance. Um, but, yeah, so, so I, I think 
that for if you're starting out making music, learn how to manipulate audio. Don't even bother with sound design. At least that's like my take from this because like I didn't start learning sound design, like synthesis and all that until probably like lockdown. And I've been making music for well over 10 years. Um, but if, if you can manipulate audio and make new sounds from audio, that in itself is sound design. Like you're taking audio and you're, well, sorry, let me backtrack. But like I would take audio and I would just fuck it up and, and stretch it up and mangle it and just run it through all sorts of effects. And that's a great way to kind of like learn all the effects and like what your DAW itself can do. And then like you don't have to go and like make all these sounds from scratch in a synth because you already have good source material with a sample. Like it already sounds good. You like the sample. So what can you make from that sample? Go and mess it up and try to make something completely new from it. And so I think a lot of these like exercises like that, like only use samples, for example, uh, and try and make music with that. Like, a, like having some sort of like limitation rather than just like, oh, I can just take and take and take and, and how I have this, this VST and this hardware and I have all this studio gear, I have everything. Because at the end of the day, it's all going to turn into distractions and yeah. you're not going to have any creativity. So having these limitations really helps you to think outside the box. Yeah, I got caught into that my first couple of years of producing for sure. Like, um, it was hardware for me though, unfortunately. Like, I fucking bought all these modular synths. I didn't even fucking know what an oscillator was, you know? Like, it was just it's yeah. ridiculous. So, um, I ended up like putting on or selling a bunch of that stuff back once I figured out what really worked for my sound. But it's incredibly easy to get caught in a. I need to get a MIDI controller. I need to get a you know synthesizer or a drum machine or fucking whatever, whatever VST is out there. And I I really believe truly in like limiting uh, limiting yourself to influence that creativity for sure. Um, I feel like yeah. you know if you want to do something, try and just make some music like you said, like on your iPad because you'll be limited with the things that you can do on there. So just try and use that, and then send those stems into a doll later on if you want to but yeah it's it's very easy to kind of get caught up in that game for sure yeah and especially when when it comes to vsts like you have access to everything like i remember i mean i, I don't know if i can talk about this on the podcast but i remember like when i first got fl studio i was just pirating plugins left and right oh just, yeah <laughs> just like just to be like oh i i want to try this i want to try this i want to try this and so it can lead to this uh, just so much, just having so much that you're just like overwhelmed. And I, I don't right. think you should do that. I think you should just grab a couple of things that, that, uh, that just like staple things. It doesn't need to be anything crazy. Um, just so that way you have some like good quality tools. Uh, and then like your DAW, your DAW has already so much good stuff in there to begin with. And then, yeah, that's it. Right. Definitely. So what's your like kind of like procedure? You got a blank project file of Ableton in front of you. Like what, how do you begin creating music for yourself and other people? Yeah. So 
I, I know a lot of people that use templates and maybe I should, but I like having a blank canvas because then it's like, okay, I'm not kind of uh, putting myself into any box. I'm just like blank canvas, let's go. And so for, for people who are starting out, a, a template can help just to kind of jumpstart the process. But for me, I've been making music for so long that I can kind of get the juices flowing on my own. Um, but anyways, yeah, so, I mean, I, I use a lot of, like, just, like, splice samples to kind of do what I call, like, sketching and blueprinting. Um, and then I can go back in and, like, replace the samples if I'm like, eh, I don't really like that sample. But the sample can help me to kind of get the idea down quickly. Because especially, like, when you're, <coughs> excuse me, um, producing with other people say for like singers or anything like that and they're in the room and you're like okay well I don't want them sitting there like while I'm producing like how, like how can I get this idea out as quickly as I can and so I'll just go through like splice or I mean I, I have tons of my own samples I've made too and I'll just go through those and then just um sketch something down and uh even in my own process I do that where I'll just like throw samples in and then now, when I'm making by myself, I don't have the pressures or, or the external pressures of anyone else, then I can kind of like fiddle around uh, sound designing stuff. And now I've reached a point where I've made a lot of like presets and say like Serum or I have like racks, like Ableton racks and things like that to where I can just like, oh, I can just drop it on. And it's like, I'm not sitting there like, fiddling with the sound for hours or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And then I'll, additionally, what can help too as a producer is um, I try and separate my sessions to I have sound design sessions and then I have like songwriting sessions. And so the sound design, pretty self-explanatory, but I'm like spending time just making sounds and then I'll go and bounce all the sounds out into a folder to use for later in a track. And then when I'm songwriting, I'm just purely focused on making a song. Nice. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good piece of advice for the younger up-and-coming producers kind of listening. Definitely have um, an intention when you're going into whatever DAW session you're going into whether it be just sound design or working on just drums or piecing together a melody or composing something like that versus, well, everyone's different, but I think definitely having some form of intention when you're opening up the doll will kind of at least lead you somewhere to where those creative juices can, you know, come up with something that's, that's feasible and usable later on for sure. Yeah. And, and, so I will say yes, definitely have intention, but there has been many times where I have gone and just had no inspiration whatsoever. So even to this day, I still just will like check out a tutorial and it will be something I've never done before, some new uh, technique or something. And in, in doing that technique, I just have a lot of fun and I have no expectations when I'm making and I'm just going in with the intention of, oh, I'm just going to make some sounds. But instead, I just get so lost in the process that I end up making a song out of it. 
Nice. So, so there can be uh, times when you're going into the the DAW with the intentions to make a song, but sometimes a song can just kind of come out of nowhere too, and I, those are sometimes the best songs too. Yeah, I love when the muse takes over for sure. Um, um, yeah, I love that process when you're like in the in the flow state. Yeah, and so like some of my like yeah, like you said, like your your greatest tracks are your tracks with like the most numbers, if you want to say that. Um, usually occur with those like flow states and things like that. So um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I love how there's just like really no rules. You know, you kind of as long as you have the creative flow, you can kind of figure it out one way or the other. That's one thing I love about art. People love arguing about it in multi facets all over the place, but I'm just like. Bro, it's art. Just do you and have fun. So that kind of leads me to the next question. Um, like, uh, you're obviously, you've been skilled in, you know, production, performing, DJing, things like that. Like, do you feel like you need to be, like, you know, skilled in all of these things before you, quote unquote, you know, show yourself to the public, if that makes sense? Not necessarily. I mean, kind of like what you said, like, there's no... Uh, one size fits all for anyone because you know there are people I've met who their background is producing and then they start touring and they have to learn to DJ which is me I didn't start DJing until I started touring and then there are those people who you know were DJing for a while and then they got into producing and so I don't think like, like even uh, I've seen like arguments on uh, Twitter X, whatever, about like, oh, if you're not producing um, music as a DJ, like, 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 like if you're only DJing, then like they like belittle them in some way. And as someone who has like come from the background of being a producer first and then learning to DJ and then learning how to read the room. No, DJing in itself is also just as much of a essential skill as producing because yeah. like there's a lot of uh, producer DJs that I know who do not know how to read the room. Now granted, people are coming there to hear their music because like they're a producer. Um kind of like a band, I guess, like people are coming there for that, but sometimes they're in these DJ slots and so they're not really doing a DJ set. They're just still like playing their music. And so I guess that depends on like, you know, the type of crowds you're playing for and things like that. But being able to read a room, I think, is just as much an essential skill as, you know, getting your kick and bass right or whatever. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know, man. I, I've, I kind of like when I began my whole deal, like I was doing it kind of all at the same time because my inspirations were doing everything all at the same time. So definitely overloaded myself right there in the beginning. But um, I like to tell people, man, your journey is definitely your journey. However you want to figure it out, do so. Yeah. Just do it with like, for real, like, you know, see, see through the things that you that make you passionate. You know, don't quit. Don't give up. Uh, don't give yeah. up with you know comparing yourself to others and shit like that too. Yeah, and that's obviously a huge thing that every artist struggles with, especially with social media. And I was just gonna say, um, you know, what you said about like everyone's path is their own and it's unique. Uh, 
I think uh, people need to be reminded of that because, like, just because someone blows up overnight, you don't need to compare yourself to that. Like, your journey is your journey. And um, I was going to recommend there's this book that I read recently is called Art and Fear. And uh, for those listening, definitely grab a copy on, on Amazon. I think it's like 12 bucks or something like that. But it talks a lot about that, about like comparing yourself. And there's a lot of good things about the fear of being an artist and how to overcome a lot of those fears. The art of fear. Is that what it's called? The art of fear? Art, art and fear. Art and fear. I'm writing that down right now. Yeah, I'm always, uh, I love reading. So I check that out when I get a chance. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good book. It really helped me a lot. Yeah, so I, I kind of got to ask, like, that makes me wonder, and I've been asking uh, all the artists now just recently, but, like, you know, what do you kind of like to do outside of music? Like, what are your, what are your you know, other hobbies besides music? My other hobbies, um, I really like cooking. It's kind of like another way of expression, and you can kind of mess around and be creative with it. Um, but, yeah, I, especially, like, after a day, it's nice to, like, just go and cook and um, kind of just like unwind from the day, basically. And I kind of find myself getting lost in that process. I'll like throw on a record on my record player and just nice. like cook. Um, lately, I've been really trying to to go to the gym a lot and just stay fit and healthy, especially like during winter season. It's been dumping snow like crazy here. I don't, I don't know if it's like that in Denver. Um, it's not been crazy out here like people thought it was going to be. We're not getting, like in the mountains, sure, but in the city, it hasn't been insane like I thought it was going to be. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even know if we were going to get snow. And then for the past probably like six days, it's been just snowing at least like once a day for an hour or two. Um, so, yeah, it's been gray here ever since like the new year pretty much. Right. So especially with like mental health and stuff, like if you're someone who um, like struggles with mental health, like working out. And for me, I do like yoga in the mornings too. Like it helps tremendously. So I, I try and, and keep to doing that. Um, I did painting for a little bit, but I, I kind of fell out of that. Um, Outside of that, yeah, I guess those are like the two things. Um, I, I do do music full time. So, yeah, I'm just making music every day, cooking, and just trying to stay active as much as I can. Nice. What's your, like, you know, favorite dish to cook that you would say that you kind of like mastered? Like, that's the one thing no one has shit on you. <laughs> um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I've I've made this like it's like a quinoa dish and it's, so it's a quinoa and kale and sweet potatoes and cherry tomatoes and I do this like um it's like a vinaigrette kind of thing and at, like I don't even have to follow a recipe anymore I, like I feel like I got it dialed pretty in and I've never like you know done the ratios too far off or anything like that and so every time like it's really quick it's really easy 
and it's like really healthy too. And yeah, I feel like I've really nailed that dish just because like it's so easy and so convenient. Um, I made a I made this Korean dish. Oh man, I can't remember the name, but I made this uh, this sauce. I think it's called gochujang sauce, oh, yeah. and, I, and I made it from scratch and. Whoa. Nice. I had I had my friend, um, she's Korean, she was staying over, and she was like, no way you're going to make this good. And she tried it, and she was like, wow, this is actually really good. Like, I'm really surprised. And th- that was, like, nice to, like, uh, I guess get the reassurance, like, okay, I'm, I'm not a bad cook, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's badass. Yeah, gochujang, that's a, that's a serious, authentic Korean. Uh, it's like a sauce or something, right, you said, yeah? Yeah, it's a sauce, and I put it on, it was like these Korean potatoes. It was really oh, yeah. good. So good. Badass. Yeah, super fucking cool. I, I love hearing what people kind of do outside of, like, the music stuff. Just, you know, I know, because we have people like you who are doing this full-time. Some people are going to school, fucking, you know, trying to become engineers and shit like that while doing music on the side. So, I like to hear, you know, what people do outside of, you know, sit behind the doll. It's always good to hear that. So I got to ask, like, with, you know, the Gaja project and, like, how everything has been going so far, it's a new question I've been asking artists this too, but, like, are you kind of, like, are you satisfied with where you are right now? Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm in a much healthier place um, to where it's, like, okay, if some bigger things were to come my way, like I would feel ready. Whereas before it was just like, uh, but, but also I guess at the same time, like maybe the, the, I guess the good thing is like, you never are going to be ready. You just have to just get thrown into it. But I mean like having that experience in the music industry and kind of going through the motions with a, a past project. Now it's like, okay, I feel a lot more ready to do it again if that were to be the case. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel in a much better place. I feel a lot more confident in the music I'm making. And I don't feel like, I don't, I don't have the imposter syndrome anymore, that's for sure. Nice. What do, I forgot what the saying was, but I think it was something like, um, success is where I think luck meets preparation or something like that. You're in the right place, but you're prepared for it at the same time. You know, that's kind of where. Yeah, I, I don't remember the saying either, but I, I definitely have heard that before where it's like yeah. now, now you're like pre- prepared for when that luck, those moments of luck come along. Exactly. Definitely. So what, what do you have like as far as, you know, obviously you're in the studio, you're crunching out music every day. Um, what what do you have going on in the future? You got some shows you're performing or like some new music coming out soon? Uh, going to do, I don't know if people are doing live streams anymore, but what do you got going? Yeah, so I'm working on some music for a couple of compilations. Um, there's a Ramon Ping. I can't remember if he's been on the show. Um, yeah. He has. We had okay. him on the podcast. Yeah, so he runs a label with another guy, uh, Joseph White, and uh, they run a label called Tabula Rasa. And I've been working with them a bunch, and I, I really believe in them, and they've nice. made a lot of momentum in the last year. Um, so, yeah, I'm working on some music with them. I'll be working on a bigger project with them probably later this year. And then um, 
Show-wise, uh, there's a couple of things in the works. Um, nothing that's like set in stone yet. I think that will happen with time. But right now, I'm just cranking lots of music out, just getting lots of stuff ready, um, and just trying to get as much buzz around my name organically as I can for the time being. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've already, you know, you've you've tasted success and you've you've done things and you've experienced the music industry full force. Um, but I always like to say, like, I can't wait to see what you do from here because I don't know what it is about this podcast, but every time we have an artist on and then like a year or two later, I'm like, you know, looking to see what they've gone through, what they've been through. It's always just some like like mind-blowing shit so i'm excited to see where your project goes and moves from here um it's you know i I hate to like you know fangirl or whatever but it's been a fan and i'm going to continue to be a fan so i hope that you know you you fucking kill it and you know i hope that you get whatever you're trying to manifest and envision, which you will. There is no hoping. It's kind of like <laughs> the, the blessing of Third Coast Space Radio, unfortunately. Um, but seriously, like, thank you for just being you as a person. Um, but I have yeah. to ask, like, you know, um, if there were a couple of people that you could recommend to be on the podcast to kind of express themselves and show their music to the world as well, who would you recommend? That's how we found you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few people who are, uh, you know, they're, they're, I would say they're, they're newer, but I really, really believe in them. Um, there's an artist named Quinn, uh, K-W-I-N. Um, he's only been making music for, a, I think, like a or, or I, Sorry, he's only been releasing music for about a year, but he's been releasing some really, really cool stuff. Um, and then there's an artist I've been working with a lot, Cam Girl. She's really cool, really nice. We've become friends over the last couple of years, and I've been working on a project with her. And then I put out a project with um, an artist, Suski. Um, she's based out in London, and she's also just really, really talented. We've done, we've made a lot of music together. Still need to get it all out, but um, if you're curious at all. Uh, there's a project that me and her put out. I think it's been two years now at this point. But yeah, those Quinn, Cam Girl, and uh, Suski all really dope. Oh yeah, badass. Yeah, I'll definitely get with you after this so I can get their info and link link up. Oh, yeah. Um, so where can people find you on the interwebs if anyone's looking for you? Um. Yeah, you can find me on. Uh, Twitter, I mean, everywhere is just at Gaja. Um, but yeah, I'm always shit posting on Twitter. Um, I, I post nice. stories on my Instagram of just little updates here and there of what I'm doing. If you want to follow me there, and then I kind of just lurk on Discord in various uh, Discords. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me at all the other socials: Spotify, SoundCloud, all that stuff. Um, but those are like the, the active ones I'm at. Nice. So last question before I ask you the last question, but, um, I have <laughs> to ask like, um, cause it's just a new question I've been asking everyone, but like, what is your, what is your actual like vision for the Gaja project? Like you've a hundred percent done everything that you've wanted to do. What, what is that with this project? We like you've 
you know, sip, sipping on Cokes in the beach or something like that? Like, what is your overall, like, dream? <laughs> I mean, yeah, financial security, obviously, is definitely a very <laughs> nice thing for anyone to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I first uh, was, uh, you know, wanting to be a music producer, I was really um, just into the idea of traveling. And uh, of course, as a traveling musician, you quickly find out it's not that glamorous because you're going pretty much from the airport straight to the hotel, maybe, um, you're, and then pretty much straight to the venue. Then you got to sleep, or you might after party, depending on what type of person you are. And then you're going straight to the airport to go and do it all over again. So you don't really get to spend time in a lot of places and like actually enjoy it. Um, so this last year in 2022, I went and did a lot of personal traveling. And so I, I just really want the ability to go and travel a lot because I do feel like you become a lot more just like well-rounded when you travel, like just getting out of your own backyard. It's definitely really nice to go and do. And you just gain new inspiration by doing that as well. So, I mean, as for the actual project itself, like I feel like eventually I'll reach like a bigger vision or something. Like um, when I first started doing music, um, I was like really inspired by this artist Wood Kid who just had this insane live show. Um, and he, he does a lot of like music videos for uh, Rihanna and there's some others too, but he does like really big music videos, but he's also an incredible singer and songwriter, just makes really cool music. And so I think if I could find this kind of, um, what's the word? It's like fusion between producing for other artists and just having like a show, a live show that's pretty inspiring to others. I think that would be kind of like the, the dream, I guess. Nice. Well, I look forward to watching you work on that and manifest that into the physical realm. I'm sure it's going to happen. Um, Aaron, once again, I would just like to thank you. I really appreciate your time and energy um, for being on the Third Coast Space Radio platform. Um, I would just like to give you the mic so you could drop, you know, your last words, last piece of advice, last words of wisdom to the audience. Uh, yeah. Um, thank you again for having me on the podcast. It's always really nice just chatting with people. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're a new producer, just find something that sticks to or that sticks out to you, be it a DAW or a sound, whatever, and just do it. Don't overthink it. Like, don't overthink mixing. Don't overthink all these things that people tell you. Just trust your gut at the end of the day. I think that's the thing that matters most. Hell yeah. Uh, really good piece of advice for there. And I really hope that everyone's taken note. I mean, we've been doing this for so long, but I, I, every time I have, you know, these chats, I get more inspired. I immediately hop back in the studio and I'm working on some shit. So um, <laughs> Hell again, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you got a busy evening ahead of you, so I will let you get to it, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me again, Brashad. It was a good one. 
Yo, so there you have it. Third Coast Base Radio, Season 5, Episode 44. Be sure to like us and the respective artists involved as always. Yo, March Madness, Eyes of March. Shit's warming up, so you already know what it is. We'll see you next month. Blow. Pow. <laughs>